This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Hey folks, hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying your holidays. Uh, Happy Friday. Today we're talking to Lindsay Webster, uh, one of our pro athletes, Spartan champion. Uh, her most recent accomplishment, uh, uh, and she's had a lot this year, uh, is her Spartan World Championship uh, win. She won for the third time, by the way. First time anyone's ever won it three times. And here's another thing. First time anyone's ever won it as a couple. Yes, her husband, Ryan Atkins, also won the men's. Uh, ridiculous. Also, n- never happened in the history of Spartan before. So uh, the race was in Abu Dhabi, right in the middle of the desert, just surrounded by sand. Pretty incredible. So we're going to talk to Lindsay about the experience and then kind of go into her backstory, how she got started in all this, how she took the leap from a full-time career to uh, being a full-time athlete, and why she's never looked back. Uh, But before we jump in, I did want to mention, if you want to be an Athletic Brewing Ambassador, get discounts on beer, uh, get ambassador-only merch, get exclusive talks with some of our athletes, Uh, there's all kinds of perks. Go to our website. Uh, Also in the show notes, there's a link you can apply. Uh, The application's open for the next two weeks. So, you know, don't wait. We're going to close it up right after Christmas and then start selecting early in 2022. And also, if you're not participating, please participate in dry January. If you need to make sure your beer uh, is in your fridge, your fridge is loaded up and ready to go, go ahead and order or pick up that beer now because it's going to be going fast. So don't wait on any of that stuff. Apply to be an ambassador. Get your beer. Let's go. All right, let's jump in. I'm honored to be on here because you guys have like quite the lineup of athletes and people who have been on this podcast. So it's cool to have, you know, have my name kind of associated alongside. Oh, what are you talking? You know, that's, we, we only do this show every other week. So I feel like there's so many people we don't get to talk to because it is only, you know, 20 something episodes a year. Um, whereas we have a way more athletes than that. So it's, it's kind of hard to not be able to feature people and y'all being you and your husband being one of them. So yeah, welcome to the show. This is awesome. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll be around for years to come. So here we go. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Well, I I tell you what, you're, you're, you're getting off a pretty big high right now. Um, Just recently, you won the world championship in Abu Dhabi. I, I just honestly want to start there. I usually start with background, but since this is so recent, let's just jump right into there. Take us through some of your favorite moments of the race. I know you've talked about kind of the uh, the the uniqueness of the landscape, the ability to travel with Spartan. Um, mm-hmm. What what are you how, what are you thinking about day to day right now? How have you been able to process it? Uh, processing, it's funny. So yeah, to win the world championship, obviously it's like something that just means so much to you. And then my husband also actually won this year. So it was fun to be able to talk about that with him because, um, like normally we leave a race venue and, you know, you kind of like talk about the race for the rest of that day, but then life goes on, you get back home. But for like days and days after this race, he kept bringing it back up and all he wanted to talk about was the race. And I was like, I know you're exact feeling because um it's almost like when you're at the race 
like you win and you're like, that's amazing. I won. But it's not until like the couple days afterwards when you really start processing um, that you've, I guess, accomplished this like massive goal that you've been working towards for not just all year, but like really your whole athletic career. So yeah, we'd, we'd just be like making coffee or something and <laughs> find yourself with a great big smile on your face all of a sudden. <laughs> I can only imagine. I, I got to ask, did y'all talk about like, hey, what if this happens before the race or was it not even a part of the conversation, like a, as a possibility of both of you winning? Um, I think we both knew that we were capable of it, uh, but it's, I feel lucky that I get to go through it with him because like. I mean, we get to do all the travel together and then it's the same lifestyle and kind of goals that we're working towards. So like we both, you know, want to go to bed at a reasonable hour. We both want to eat healthy food leading up to the race. And uh, it's nice to be able to like have somebody to share that with. And then we kind of, I think, fuel each other and motivate each other too, especially preparing for this race because we live in Quebec, Canada um, and it's very much winter right now. But obviously Abu Dhabi was in a really hot desert climate so we bought a sauna we used we used this race as an excuse to buy a barrel sauna <laughs> but we were doing like training sessions um with like the heat cranked up in our little gym room and we just wouldn't turn on fans and we'd be super sweaty and then hop in the sauna after we were like doing trainer sessions in the sauna so like a lot of kind of miserable training sessions that you had to go through to prepare for this race specifically. And it was just nice to have somebody to share that with. And I'd see him, you know, finish it and be like, okay, like I'll get through mine too. Whereas I feel like if it was just me and myself and I, there'd be a greater chance of being like, eh, maybe I don't have to do that today <laughs> kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you you just touched on so many things I, I had notes on and wanted to cover. Um, oh, sorry. I saw that, no, no that's, it's awesome. So I'm going to, I saw that y'all built that sauna and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I was like months ago, had no idea this is what it was pre preparation for, but that's, in, that's genius. Cause I was going to ask, you know, you guys are in a complete winter environment. How the heck did you prepare for what is quintessentially like the example? If there was ever an example of a desert, y'all were racing in it. Like that was the most desert place I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really cool. And sorry, you asked earlier about, yeah, favorite parts of, I guess, the, the race course and stuff. And just like running through the sand dunes. And also we started late at night. Normally our start time is like 7 a.m. in the morning um, for Spartan races. But this one didn't start till 3 p.m. because it's so hot there during the day. And the mornings actually are really humid, which is why they wanted to do it in the evening. But yeah, just like running in the these big sand dunes with the, the sun kind of setting over them. Uh, I finished with a headlamp on, so I got to watch the whole sunset and like this orange light just kind of reflecting off the sand. And it was, yeah, it was beautiful, spectacular, and definitely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, I know the word power couple gets thrown around a lot, and I'm sure y'all hear it all the time, but it is mind-blowing that you both won. And when when Ryan crossed the finish line and was laying there, I saw that awesome those awesome shots of him like laying face first down on the ground. And and you weren't that far behind. Did you know at that point that he had won two? When did when did you realize that he was also the winner? Uh so I actually heard while I was out on course over the radio. So it was it was like one of the guys who was rabbiting for me. So we called them rabbits. So the guys who follow us around with the cameras. 
Um, but they carry radios and I guess they announced over the radio and it was so anticlimactic. It was just, it was just like Ryan Atkins first place across the finish line. <laughs> and then, like, that was it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, he won. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Cause for people that don't know, he's come in second five times. So yeah. to win, well, I mean, what did that, what did that do for you and your effort out there? Were you just like pumped after that? Cause that is I didn't realize that. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, usually, um, both as elite obstacle racers, my, my race typically starts about 15 minutes behind his. Um, so usually he's a bit on my mind while I'm racing, but like this year he was really on my mind the whole time I was racing. And like, I kept running into friends of ours out there cheering us on and I'd be like, how's Ryan doing? And of course I can barely breathe myself, but, um, also, what else oh the the course did this funny thing where it was like a first loop and then a second loop and so when I was heading out on the second loop we go through like the festival area again um and I could hear the announcer saying kind of giving like a play-by-play -play of the men's course and where they were all at um so yeah very much he was on my on my mind this race and then uh he's right here <laughs> hey Ryan, thanks for uh thanks for letting us uh steal Lindsay away a little bit of the talk. But uh <laughs> holy cow. I'm I mean I was just amazed by that, the fact that y'all both won together. I mean, first time in Spartan history, first time in what, ten years that the world championship had been outside the US, first time in Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah. what, what, what was it like being on the sand? I saw that you compared it kind of similarly to snow, um, and were able to make that transition pretty easily. Did you feel, uh, you were able to, you know, did you feel good out there while you were running through it? Um, I felt like I was familiar with it, a lot more mm. familiar with it than I expected to be. And of course, like snow and sand, can be so variable there's there's a million different kinds of sand you can get super hard packed runnable sand that's like almost as hard as pavement and then you can get the stuff like this that um you kind of sink right into like down to mid shin um and it's the same way with snow you can get you know hard packed snow you can get corn snow but yeah just um kind of I guess for me it was very familiar feeling to have my stride dictated at me instead of just being able to run um how I wanted to run because it was so much easier to be able to follow in someone's footsteps much like you would if you're running in fresh snow like you're not going to make your own tracks if somebody's already put them in already so um so yeah just to like follow in since the men had gone off before us like their footsteps or one of my female competitors I was like we all kind of took turns um taking the lead for a bit and switching off um so yeah, so but it was it's a really weird feeling to like be in a race and not be able to just like run your own stride. Um so so yeah, that that was something that was familiar with me and then having your feet kind of shifting around under you every step you take. Um so yeah, it was a lot more familiar than I expected, but obviously like we're just starting to get snow, so it's not like I've had much chance to practice in it this winter. So it was kind of like if you um, I don't know for people who are from snowy climates, just like to go and decide that you're going to do like a three hour really hard run or like a fastest known time or something when <laughs> in like the first <laughs> snow of the season is <laughs> just kind of something that you would never do. So by the end my muscles were like totally exhausted. Now um, I can imagine. Yeah. To kind of almost leave on muscle, lead on muscle memory. Um, yeah. 
of what it was like to be on the snow. That is wild. Well, I tell you what, you know, I'm sure it's still just a trip trying to wrap your mind like, holy crap, we both won first place. What what did y'all do to celebrate? Did you do anything special? Because a lot of times with this stuff, you're celebrating one or the other. Like, you know, someone gets a promotion at work or someone wins a race, you know, of a partner. One or the, the other is doing something yeah. that they're celebrating for you guys. It's literally the same celebration. Um, anything special you did? Um, Not especially. Like, we came home and set up our Christmas tree. What else did we do? I don't know. We, like, shared a beer together, I guess, once we got back home after the whirlwind of travel and uh I don't know I think just kind of having like a quiet moment together to sort of like internalize it and you know drink a nice beer <laughs> well I tell you what that was awesome that's so fresh that's so cool um but I want to kind of go back to where this all started for you uh, I know I know you grew up in Canada just outside of Toronto uh tell us about some of the early things you were in what what was getting you active early on what kind of sports and uh how did that lead into OCR and when did that lead into OCR Yeah my parents always had my sister and I rolled in enrolled in sports from a young age so when I was really like I would I'd always been on the you know cross country team in middle school and so on and so forth but when I was in high school um, I got really lucky in that our high school had like a ton of sports teams, like any sports team you can think of, you name it. We even had a rowing team. Um, so I was on the rowing team. I joined the cross country ski team, um, like track and field, obviously, and cross country running, very much like endurance based sports. But then uh, I had these coaches that taught me, I guess, a lot of the basis of what I know today about training that has like made me I think the athlete that I am um or at least like contributed a lot to it because uh they taught me how to yeah just like put together a proper training plan and how to structure your season and uh I ended up I guess I used to do figure skating when I was really little so once I found cross-country skiing I actually quit figure skating to do more cross-country skiing which was my competitive sport all through high school that and rowing and I just think that having like a cardio based kind of um, sport, but with a big upper body component in it um, definitely contributed towards making me like a good obstacle racer because there is that upper body kind of component. And we're these weird hybrid athletes that like were basically endurance athletes. Like I'd be terrible in a CrossFit gym or something, but like we don't quite fit in as runners and we don't quite fit in as, you know, weightlifting athletes um and we have the good engine so so yeah i think once i found obstacle racing it's kind of like i found my niche F found your niche of doing everything you know that's that's what's kind of cool about your background too is just having all these different sports um you don't necessarily have to specialize to be good at ocr you i mean you you, you know there's obviously mm -hmm. strengths but you got to do so much that it helps to have that kind of background where you've done a little bit of everything yeah, and I think that's part of the reason I love the sport so much, like, because um, there's so many different ways that you can train for it. Like, I did competitive mountain biking for a while, and I found that training for biking actually, like, was decreasing from my love for the sport, because every day it was just, like, on the bike, very regimented, what do I have to do today? And I felt like I could just never go out and just, like, ride for the love of riding, Um but with obstacle racing, it's like, yeah, I can go on a bike ride 
yeah, I can go to the gym. Yeah, I can cross-country ski in the winter or I can like go run, whether it's flat or in the mountains. Like it's all going to benefit you um, in an obstacle course race and one way, shape or form. So it's kind of it's a really fun sport to train for and it never gets boring. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, how did you how did what was your first obstacle course race and, and what did you think? Because I, I mountain bike, too, and I remember my first time mountain biking. I thought this absolutely sucks. Like I fell like 15 times. Uh, and yeah. my friend was like, you got to go back out again. I'm telling you the second or third time is going to be awesome. And sure enough, you know, you kind of get over that initial suck. Was that, was yeah. that the case for you with OCR or was it initially just, this is incredible? Um, my first race. So actually Ryan talked me into doing my first race. Um, and at the time I was training as a mountain biker. So I had like a good cardio pace, but I, he ta- I remember him teaching me like two days before the race how to do a rope climb and the technique of like doing a footlock. Um, and I had no upper body strength, really. Uh, so I failed almost every obstacle. And the penalty for failing obstacles in this race was doing 30 burpees. So I think throughout the race, I probably did like somewhere around 200 burpees oh, and I got like tendonitis in my elbows back here for like a week um, <laughs> from doing all these essentially push-up movements. Um, but anyway, so the first race he talked me into was actually Spartan World Championships in 2014, oh. right off the deep end. It was in Killington, Vermont, which is like well known for being a really, really tough course. Um but it was up and down all the the mountains at Killington, which is, it's my type of terrain. I love running in the mountains and, um, and like technical terrain. Um, I ended up finishing fourth and I was like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I was so sore for a week. Like I've never been that stiff in my entire life. And I crossed the finish line and I was like, that was flipping awful. It was a five hour long race. It just went on forever. <laughs> And I was like, I'm never doing another one of these things ever again. But then I kept thinking about it after the fact and being like, that was, that was like the coolest way I've ever challenged my body. I wonder how I could have done if I had actually trained for it um, and like developed my upper body strength a little bit more, got it back maybe to what it was when I was a cross country skier. And I just, I don't know, I guess I just kept thinking more and more about it. So Ryan uh, at the time was getting more and more into obstacle racing and uh I think he had like a sponsor lined up already and it was almost like every other weekend he was away at a race uh at the time we were just boyfriend and girlfriend and I was like I'm never seeing him so he he won this one race and he was like what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I use my prize money to like fly you out to this race but but you have to train for it. And I think I had two months to like get ready for this thing. And he, he made me like a little program that I followed. So that was the stipulation for him flying me out anyway. So I did that race and because I was more prepared, I actually like really loved it. Um, and I won it, which helps too. <laughs> and then I <laughs> yeah. prize money from that one to fly myself to the next one. And it just kind of like snowballed into this great big thing. And then eventually I quit my marketing job um, and became a full-time athlete. And now it's six years later. <laughs> that, I, I didn't realize you did so well at your first one. Take us through that because, you know, here at Athletic, I don't know if you know Bill's story, but same thing. He worked on Wall Street, got into yeah. ultra running and was like, I'm skipping tons of steps here, but eventually was like, I have to leave this job to start this crazy idea of a non-alcoholic brewery. 
mm-hmm. you had a career in marketing and you left to to become a full-time athlete what were some of the people in your life saying and and how did what kind of made you feel that that was the right decision Hey folks, let's take a quick break and hear from our San Diego Brewery correspondent, Nick Drake. He's actually talking with his friend who has been sharing the beer like crazy with people. And he just wanted to honestly hear from him about why he's doing it and why he likes the beer. And and so we're just going to hand it over to him. Enjoy the next few minutes of a story from a real life athletic brewing customer. Hi, I'm here with Nelson here to talk to you about his experience with athletic brewing. Just to get into it, how did you hear about Athletic Brewing? Um, well, my daughter was down in San Diego, and when she came back up, she brought the uh, six-pack since she uh, had met with you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, was just thrilled with uh, what you were doing, and and, and so we had it. Uh, it tasted like real beer, and that that's always the, the failure mechanism for most uh, non-alcoholic beers, uh, and this one didn't. So we were kind of thrilled about that. That was the start. We shared it with friends and the doctor as well when I was on an annual visit. The typical question comes up, uh, how much do you drink? Or how's alcohol consumption? And I just brought up the fact that, hey, doctor, you know, some's really good beer that tastes like beer and it's non-alcoholic. So, you know, and he goes, oh, it's, I shared athletic brewing. And he uh, basically didn't want to mention it, but he uh, then sort of uh, shared that that's something that, that he already knew about, but didn't want to uh didn't want to let too many people know that it was available at the local grocery because it, it flies off the shelf too quick but he, it was okay with sharing it with me so yeah um awesome what's your favorite beer from athletic that you've had so far so i, I do like the hazy ipas they kind of remind me of the uh summer uh hefevites approach to, to beer and that's always refreshing it's just uh Quench, there's something about beer that just helps you quench thirst. It's not sweet. It's, uh, it gets you in trouble if you're too thirsty. And, <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> and it's good beer. So uh, then, you know, no guilt. And uh, my, my things I do are tennis and, and, and cycling. And that uh, fits well together with the, with, with the non-alcoholic beer. And then uh, also, um, do have motorcycles and a steadfast rule not to, you know, not a single drop of alcohol if I'm going to get on a bike. So, you know, having, having a non-alcoholic beer and just leaves that option open all day. And if I wanted to get on the bike or had to get on the bike and, you know, it's like, Oh, we need to get something from the groceries. Like, Oh, that's a bike ride opportunity. <laughs> it's still an option. So yeah, that's, that's clear advantages. And I mean, it's, they taste good, you know, they, they taste good and they, they're, uh, I enjoy them. It's always awesome hearing, especially like, uh, having the connection to you kind of knowing you through other people and like hearing your story is really cool to see because, you know, you see all these other stories about people that you don't necessarily know. So it's cool to have someone kind of in your corner. Who's, who's like a huge supporter of, of the mm-hmm. product you know, hopefully keep you in the pipeline as more and more new things come out. Started with our neighbor across the street and she loved it. Um, I think she went online and she's a member. <laughs> yeah. So she, she figured that one out before we did. Well, that's awesome to hear. Keep doing what you're doing. It, it's, it's something we all need. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Nick, for submitting that. That's what it's all about right there. The best thing you can ever do to, to share with people that non-alcoholic beer actually tastes good now is to actually get them to taste it. That's why stories like that are so powerful. And if you, if you have the ability to, share a beer with somebody. All right, let's jump back into the episode. Um. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's always going to be really scary to go from like a nice salary. You get a paycheck every two weeks or whatever um, to just like living off prize money in it. If it weren't for Ryan, honestly, it never would have crossed my mind at all. Um, I think my parents always, you know, they want the best for their daughter and like to climb the corporate ladder is like the way to get there. Um, so they'd always sort of like, I guess, subconsciously pushed me towards you know, the corporate lifestyle. Um, but I, yeah. And I, I know they just did it because they wanted the best for me, but I don't think I was at all suited for a desk job. So my job in marketing that I had at the time actually was, um, event planning related. So like, I did enjoy it a lot because during the summertime I could kind of get out of the office and we'd be at events and, and there was this, uh, other kind of component where I'd get to interact with people and be on my feet. Um, much like you said, your favorite part of your job is like when you get to interact with other people. <laughs> oh, for sure. This is, this is awesome. You know, this beats the hell out of emails. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But I just, I, yeah, I don't think I was like well suited as a desk job. I've always been, you know, I think any athlete's going to be the kind of person that just like has trouble sitting still all the time. Um, and so Ryan's family is quite the opposite. They've, they've, always just like encourage their kids to do whatever makes them happy. Ryan used to work as a mechanical engineer and all of a sudden he was like, I'm going to quit that and start my own trail building business. And his mom was like, great, that's awesome. <laughs> and then he was like, I'm going to and I'm gonna be an athlete. And she was like, good for you. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think having, I mean, him have those influences in his life and then he encouraging me, to kind of like take that massive scary step um, was definitely the push that I needed. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a first, a weird first couple months trying to like adjust to, you know, not having like a regular paycheck and um, yeah. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> that's, a- that's what it takes. You know, that's, that's the, uh, the limb you step out on. Was there a moment yeah. or a race or a time that you were reflecting that you were like, maybe confirmed maybe this was the case from the beginning but it confirmed you I've chosen the right path yeah um I think honestly just feeling like I was the happiest that I've ever been in my entire life and I'm a pretty happy person like I was happy in my job and stuff but um yeah just the the lifestyle of a professional athlete's like pretty amazing (laughs) way to live and just to get to share it with Ryan and travel and just like wake up every day and be like, I don't have to go to work. I just get to go run around. <laughs> That's my job now. <laughs> so, yeah. That's uh, well, kind of like your first um, race that you actually enjoyed with OCR. It, it helps a lot too when you, when you win <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to make it yeah. more enjoyable. <laughs> Definitely does. I know sometimes I see people like on the really tough courses, like the one in, in Abu Dhabi, you just like see somebody out there with the, you know, a 50 pound sandbag or a bucket full of rocks. And just, I'm just like, why do we do this? <laughs> what are we doing? We're literally, I was laughing when we flew to Abu Dhabi because I was like, I'm literally flying to the other side of the world to go like run around in some sand. 
<laughs> which is funny when you look at it that way because for us of course it had been everything we'd be focusing on thinking about for months but um <laughs> sometimes you just got to be a little realistic about it <laughs> we're gonna fly across the world play in some sand and it's gonna be one of the best experiences of my life yeah it is wild it is pretty crazy yeah <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, you know, you, you, you take that step, you're having success and you mentioned being happy all the time. You know, uh, that's something I realized when like researching you and just learning more about you, like you are so joyful and, and happy and uh, cheerful. You, you don't come across as like this hardcore personality. Um, do, do you deal with that a lot or do people bring that up a lot? Because, you know, the, the freaking title of the thing is Spartan. You know, it's pretty hardcore. Uh, but you don't fit that mold in so many ways. Thanks. Um, I think that's, I think that's a lot of obstacle research. So I think athletes in general, we see a lot of type A personalities because I think in a lot of sports, you have to be really regimented to, with your training and to do what it takes and everything. And, uh, I would say I'm definitely like a motivated individual and I, I am, definitely like motivated and I guess regimented and getting done the training that I need to do in a week. But a huge part of obstacle racing is sort of just taking whatever they throw at you during a race and having to deal with it and like having that adversity, I guess. Um, yeah. And I think that if I were an athlete in a sport like track and field or something like a, I probably wouldn't like it very much because it would just be too many numbers that I was always trying to to make and beat and uh too many you know running in circles and stuff like that but because yeah because the the training is so versatile for my sport it um I think it suits my personality and I think you need that in obstacle racing to just be able to yeah to go out and do some some gnarly training sessions like I know other athletes who go on runs and they really hate even getting their feet wet and I would say that like my my shoes are muddy and wet probably 98% of the time that I run so um yeah so I think it's a crazy person like I said I just found found my niche and um I, I think if I was in obviously I loved rowing and cross country skiing but um never really wanted to pursue those sports as a professional athlete um, even though maybe I could have, but yeah, I think I just no, found where really I cool. And you mentioned, uh, <laughs> I did hear that somewhere else or read that somewhere else that you don't mind, or you like getting your feet wet early in a race. And I put, I put a note, I said, what kind of monster are you? <laughs> Cause <laughs> <laughs> we are all kind of like obstacle races are a lot, a little bit of masochists, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. A little bit. Cause you know, that's so many people, especially athletes like absolute kryptonite is having their feet wet I, I i can't tell you that's that's just like a common thing yeah um, you don't mind at all i definitely don't mind at all it's it's like it's almost like comforting to get to that point so that you know you don't have yeah. to worry about it anymore and so many things like you literally never know what they're gonna throw at you in a race and then every time you finish it you're like wow i completed that thing um even on the abu dhabi course like we went out the next day for the team race and um during the sandbag carry, there must have been, so it basically went up and down a hill, but there were like, must have been 50 sandbags, like littered up and down this hill, just piles of them everywhere from people who had, I guess, been like, it's too hot. I'm too tired. Screw this. And just like drop them. Um, but I think for anybody who com even completed the course, whether or not they completed the sandbag carrier, like you get through those obstacles and yeah, it's miserable at the time, but then you look back and you're like, oh, I did this thing. 
it was amazing and that's kind of what makes it really stick in your mind as like just like a point in your life when you you know overcame something um it sounds corny because we're always like overcome obstacles but literally intuitively what you're doing and uh and it's you just come out of it being like being pretty proud of yourself um, oh, that's awesome and, and you know you say it's corny or maybe i don't know a stereotype or whatever but you know, talking to so many high-end athletes it, it really does boil down i've realized the success boils down to the fundamentals like there's really no secret weapon that anyone really has it's it's a mental game it's working hard it's preparation it's kind of the same stuff with everybody that's succeeding so i think we're always looking for that you know that that new wisdom or that new thing but more times than not, it, it is just those basics. It's just doing those really well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now that you've raced in desert, you've done beach uh, obstacle course racing, you've done mountains, of course, where you live, do you have a preference for a region or terrain? Or is there one that you're like, I, I really enjoy this more than the others? Um, I really enjoy, yeah, basically any of the East Coast races because I think, I don't know, I enjoy running in the mountains and technical terrain and it's what I run in at home, so I guess I'm good at it. <laughs> you, like what you, you like what you know, right? But I also really enjoy, um, like, the races that we have in Utah, in the mountains, and, like, the one we have there is beautiful. It's always kind of in, I guess, early summer, so all the wildflowers are out, and, like, there's these spectacular views, and it's always a sunny day. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say really any of the mountainous courses. probably That's awesome. Me. Oh man. Yeah. So, well, you know, I, was there any talk? I know you, this is your, you won three world championships. So was there like a, a conversation with Ryan that was like, Hey, welcome to the club, the world championship <laughs> club? Um, no, not really. But like I did, he always comes and he either waits for me at the finish line or he runs backwards at the course and does uh, on the course and does his cool down and comes to like, look for me and cheer me through my last mile or so. Um, so as soon as I crossed the finish line, like I did look for him and I was like more excited about him having finally won his race than I even was about like the fact that I, you know, completed mine, not to downplay it at all. Like it was a huge goal of mine to win, be the first person, I guess, to win it three times in a row. Um, but I was just so excited for him because I know how hard he fought for it for so many years. So, yeah. <laughs> so I looked for him. Unbelievable. Holy yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I almost cried on the podium when we were standing up there together and they were playing the Canadian anthem and I was like sharing that first place spot with him. Um, and I'm not a crier, but I was like, this is a this is like a really incredible experience. Um, oh, I got almost cried. I would have bawled my eyes out. Wow. I, mean, <laughs> I held it in. That's a movie I had to try to hold it in because I was like, "Oh, how embarrassing will that be?" <laughs> oh, embarrassing! Come on, this is this is. I mean, it is. The more you think about it, the more mind blowing it is. Um, yeah, so it's congratulations true. to both of you. That's wild. Thank you. Um, yeah. Gosh, what are the chances? <laughs> like, it's so crazy. But anyway, uh, let, let's go ahead and jump into rapid fire. I know I've already gone over a little of the time, but uh, if you got a couple more minutes, I'd love to ask you just a handful yeah. of quick questions. And they, they don't have to be one-liners. It could be, you know, just a, sentence, a few sentences, but um, we'll just jump in, then we'll wrap it up. Cool. Cool. So so what are you most curious right now or uh, curious about right now outside of Spartan, outside of racing? Um, I think 
I'm really excited about gravel racing right now. So like my abilities, I guess, on the bike. Mm, so, yeah, that's a like also races. an exploding world there. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, what would you say your proudest achievement is outside of world champions, outside of Spartan and racing? Oh, my goodness. Outside of, I was going to say maybe quitting my job and taking that leap to like become hey. a pro athlete. But I guess that's still Spartan related. Well, <laughs> but... I mean, it's, it's like career oriented. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I'll go with that. Well, that's, that's definitely one to be proud of. That's awesome. All right. So this is, I have no idea. I was going to ask like, what do y'all do from here? Where do y'all go from here? But I'll kind of wrap it in this question. Uh, biggest goal not yet achieved? Uh, I'd love to open a cafe or bakery one day. Maybe when I'm no longer an athlete anymore. Well, I don't know if. I don't know if that'll ever be the case. You might have to do it alongside. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So outside of what we've mentioned, is there a hobby that you have that folks don't know about outside of baking too? Because you just mentioned that. I I assume baking is a passion as well. Yeah. Baking's massive passion of mine. Um, I don't know. I guess like my veggie garden and raising chickens. (laughs) (laughs) It's just racing and bacon, racing and bacon. Yeah. That's everything. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So what is your favorite or most consistent daily habit that you look forward to doing every day? Um, hmm. Might be tough since you're someone that does a lot of different things all the time. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Daily habit. Maybe like my first coffee of the day. The, the what I call it, it's our in our house, it's known as the Cafe Royale. The, the Cafe Royale, hit. I love yeah. that. That's the stick. That very first hit is there's nothing like it. Yeah. There's nothing like that very first sip. So, hey, I have to there's agree. Do, yeah. do you have a favorite <laughs> athletic brewing beer? Uh, Nature Nut, which is really funny because it was released as an April Fool's joke. And I messaged, um, I think it was Chris, being like, please send me all of the beer that you made like send send it to me um because like peanut butter chocolate anything is is my favorite and I love stouts um and he was like oh sorry this is embarrassing but that was an April Fool's joke and then (laughs) I guess like a month later he got back to me because he's like we received such an overwhelming response and demand for us to actually make this beer (laughs) that we're gonna do it um and they did and it's my favorite one that that is so funny. Well, you know, on every can, one of our mottos it, it says "brew without compromise," um, but we believe here at Athletic to make anything or to pursue anything without compromise. It's not just you know brewing or running or racing without compromise. You kind of have to live your whole life without compromise. Mm-hmm. So, so, what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Yeah, just to. I don't know. Like, I think in life, especially as an athlete, like there's, you know, the stuff that you got to do every day that you don't look forward to. But then I think um, just to make room for the the things that you enjoy too, that, um, you know, bring a lot of happiness to you, whether that's like family or baking or, um, you know, a little bit of training that's just for fun and isn't specific to your goals just because you love doing it. If you'd like to follow Lindsay and all the crazy things she's doing, baking, running, Spartan, Ing, all the stuff, 
Go to her Instagram, link is in the show notes. And if you'd like to load up your fridge with the very best non-alcoholic beer that money can buy, that's Athletic Brewing, of course. Go to athleticbrewing.com. Free shipping on two six-packs or more. Load it up, because dry January is coming, and you don't want to be caught without something to drink. 